Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. And uh, today I'd like to talk about, um, or try to talk about um, the development of uh, wisdom uh, inside. The practice we do here is called uh, Vipassana, as uh, many of you know. Vipassana can be translated by um, seeing deeply or deep understanding and um, and it's uh, translated in English with the word inside. So as we practice, we have uh, insight, there's understanding about reality. Maybe I could put it in two kind of categories, reality, the nature of reality and how to hold it. Um, and so all the practices we do here, the format of the retreat, the silence, the sitting, the walking, the instructions, everything is kind of uh, uh, trying to facilitate uh, coming closer to that, uh, to, you know, creating the right conditions for inside understanding to uh, to arise to happen and so what we do as I understand it is that we uh, we uh, give uh, kind of a fresh uh, attention fresh care uh, to what is uh, happening as it's happening kind of uh, extraordinary attention. It's almost like an ordinary attention, except that it has a little extra to it, a little more fullness to it. <coughs> and in this way we uh, get more, um, and you might uh, recognize this as I describe it, we, uh, we, uh, we get to have a kind of a intimate experiences with uh, different uh, phenomena. And they become very specific. It's not walking in general, it's this step. It's not sitting in general, it's in this moment here. It's not, uh, oh yeah, the breath. You know, it's this in-breath. Or this taste, this mouthful at the meal time. Or this moment of the day. Not just being here at the farm, but here now. So we kind of zoom in, uh, and so we get to feel the specificity of the moment or of the experience. People describe this, often on retreat we describe this, we're like, oh, suddenly, like I was really tasting, you know, this particular uh, taste of, I don't know what, cinnamon or licorice, or, you know, there was a Présence accrue in French. So, uh, a crude presence. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, so some kind of zooming in. There really is this experience. Um, 
And this in itself can, uh, well, it can be many things, but there can arise out of that uh, uh, generous attention, kind of, uh, uh, yeah, contentment. I think I heard uh, Anushka say contentedness. So there's a, there's a presence to this moment, the light in this moment, the warmth in this moment, the freshness of the air, and uh, so kind of insight that uh, I have around this, for me that's, um, uh, I find pretty, kind of both simple, ordinary, but also powerful. So this kind of paradox here, where it's absolutely simple, not much to report, yet there's, there's a deep meaning to it. It's so, I might be caught in some idea, uh, well, I have a very, very recent example just here, walking here outside a few minutes ago. I could see uh, this mind perception of reality was, you're about to give a talk, you have to give good stuff, you know, like, so my mind was kind of uh, looking to produce uh, ideas, like looking for kind of content stuff to say, and... um, and uh, and at some point there was the coldness of the um, of the stone on which I was maybe I, m- I moved from sun area to shade area and so the coldness and there was this experience of coldness and the intimacy like it was suddenly became full just this experience of uh, the coldness and that kind of problematic disappeared for a moment like another reality showed itself this is this happening now? And it was liberating. Liber- I was liberated in some ways, you know, in some ordinary ways. And I was caught in a pattern. I have to produce something, I have to come up with something. And suddenly, oops, it vanished. There was just the coolness. And then there was other sensations, you know, maybe the slight wind on the skin. And whoops, the mind was liberated from uh, being caught in some kind of belief system formation. It was very kind of local, I would say, punctuel in French, like just in this moment. But uh, to me, there's an insight in that. There was a construction and I was caught in this. And then being there, actually, in terms of uh, preparing to share, seemed much more appropriate than the other idea I had about it, like, must produce really good something, you know, provide something. Suddenly there was being here. Oh, that's closer to it. You know. So it's very slight, but I see it uh, often, where, you know, I might be, there might be some kind of construction of, you know, kind of speculations, in the area, maybe arena of doubt, you know, like, what is my worth? You know, do I, am I worth something? So something, I'm, I'm putting more words than, it's more vague than this, it's just a sense of, you know, who am I? Do I fit? I'm, there's more words in it than the actual kind of sense that I don't know what, you know. And, uh, and suddenly, through a sense experience, this vanishes. And it it reveals the uh, ephemeral, mirage-like nature 
of that state, belief, attitude, construction of the mind. Uh, and so to me, uh, yeah, I'm deeply grateful, grateful to be shown how something can seem so, uh, you know, uh, sticky or, you know, uh, grab me at the gut level, you know, sense that I, something, you know, and suddenly, whoops, it vanishes. And there's just a moment of hearing. And it shows me that what I thought was like so important and so solid and so serious was actually just, uh, yeah, ephemeral <coughs> in some ways. Uh, and so I'm extremely thankful to uh, the practice of sensory awareness that we're doing here. It's not the only thing we're doing, but definitely uh, one of them. When I was uh, 25 years old, um, I learned that I was HIV positive at a time where there was no, uh, there was just strong AZT. Uh, and there was a, there was a big, um, big switch of identity, I would say, you know, like I, I thought I went from being um, eternally young, uh, beautiful, healthy, uh, you know, like so, some, so something of that nature was like, a, I'm not sure I would have explained it exactly like this, but there was a sense of that, I exist, will exist, you know, and health is me, and, uh, you know, youth also is forever. And suddenly in the doctor's office, there was like, actually, no, it's really took a wrong curve, you know. And you have to start right away very intense um, uh, antibiotics and AZT. And suddenly there was a... And so, you know, what I thought was uh, solid, permanent, you know, was shown to me in a kind of dramatic way that I was mistaken. And, uh, and it was very, very distressing. And I remember uh, having a, a teacher who told me, uh, Pascal, it's really hard to be in your mind right now. You know? And you're not well accompanied in your mind when you're in there. So try to stay very uh, much in the senses. You know, see, be aware of colors, be aware of movements. And... Uh, Maybe become a, because I came from the world of theater and movement, uh, there's something I could actually, uh, uh, you know, recognize and use as a boy. Is that the word? I started to notice uh, things like this, and maybe in the year following, I found myself in a retreat where this these were pretty much the instructions. And, uh, you know, where I would uh, tend to um, go towards, um, you know, all kinds of um, fear constructions. Uh, and my thoughts were produced a lot by panic and confusion and uh, shame and worry and... Uh, and uh, 
yeah, really big confusion about you know the the world, uh, what uh, you know my like, like I don't know how to say how you know I either felt it or that felt me or pushed me aside, you know, or confirmed that uh, that was just my worth, you know, that I was worth just dying getting rid of or something like this so there was all, all of these uh, and then there was these uh, very very regular instructions to hear the sounds of the night you know to feel the warmth of the day to uh, and so these things really helped uh, for me uh, balance the way I was caught in the productions of my mind you know and come back uh, to um, to reality. And so in this way I was uh, able to develop some uh, some qualities that uh, uh, are extremely helpful and now they're my um, you know my most um, precious friends or my my allies or my uh, my my I would like maybe one day I'll, I don't know let's try it my my powers you know and I'm, I'm saying my my but uh, uh, yeah let's drop the mind powers uh, I didn't know <coughs> that there was this possible and uh, through this practice it's been developed the capacity to uh, actually feel uh, and be curious about uh, something that is happening the capacity to um, to allow something to happen even something uncomfortable and at different times something extremely uncomfortable the capacity to have something happen that is hard when I thought the only thing you do is you reject it, you push it aside. Uh, and as we know, some things actually won't be pushed aside. You know, they'll be there for a few moments or longer. You know, they can be uh, emotional states, they can be situations, they can be experiences uh, of the body. And uh, so one kind of uh, wisdom, intelligence... I'd like to name is uh, is um, in the in the teachings. It's it's this particular kind of intelligence. It's uh, that we call vipassana. It's an intelligence that is uh, felt. It's not an intelligence that is at the level of information. Oh, these qualities are good for you. You know, so that's kind of limited because we we know like oh, I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be like this. We know. But we don't we we don't have access to it in, in that other other form of intelligence, and so when we practice here, uh, we gain access <coughs> to this uh, particular kind of wisdom called uh, we could call discernment, and this particular aspect here in Pali is called kusala and akusala. What is helpful, onward leading, liberating? And what ways we hold things that are entangling, oppressive, stressful uh, for us. 
And so, part, and it's part of what's happening here during the week, all these uh, hours of silence, of paying attention as we move about, eat, walk, sit, uh, look at, I don't know, uh, the, what remains of the sunset, or, uh, you know, hear the sounds. We, uh, we're not uh, thinking about stuff, you know, we're, uh, or we're not receiving information, we're actually learning how to feel from inside. And we can be very deeply touched, um, even shaken, that's how I've uh, experienced this, shaken uh, in positive ways, and shaken, yeah, very positive ways, by uh, the attitudes of the mind, the different ways to hold things. And so, you know, the mind will be agitated, opinionated, uh, doubtful, what am I doing? And suddenly there's a moment of uh, quietness, of just hearing frogs, you know? And this is impressive. (coughs) Suddenly there was no positioning of, I want to get, or I don't want this, or... Am I going to succeed? It just vanishes for a second. Just a second. And in this practice, what I found very, uh, yeah, what is uh, powerful is that just that second of not (coughs) pushing away, not trying to get, uh, being really present in that moment. We won't have words to describe it. It will be an impression. It's really at the level of a felt sense, impression, we're touched by this, or an inner moment of, uh, an inner experience of, uh, it can be acceptance for a moment, it can be, uh, could be uh, kindness, you know, and we'll be deeply touched by the, you know, the, the can I say the rightness, the wiseness of that attitude. It'll be, it'll be felt, it'll be recognized. Sometimes actually it happens also through, through a transmission. So through the <laughs> voice of the teacher, you know, we'll, we'll feel, we'll gain access to a quality of mind, you know, could be compassion, it could be equanimity, some steadiness of mind or something. And we'll recognize it in the voice of the other or sometimes in the attitude of another retreatant, you know, there will be a moment where we just see somebody, they do something, it can be something kind, or the way they do the walking, and there's something transmitted. We can do this, human beings, for one another. And in that, we we receive this, and we're touched. In a way, almost shaken, like, wow. Because we are developing a sensitivity, we're developing that intelligence here, you know, where we're not te- keep telling the world what it is and should be, and you know, we're not kind of aggressing the world in this way. We are learning to receive it, receive it, and in these ways, we'll be touched by the different ways uh, to be. I was, um, last uh, year, a number of months ago, I was uh, teaching a, a LGBTQ retreat uh, uh, in the, 
in uh, the Netherlands. There was actually, it was the first over there too. And there was 11 of us. It was very, very sweet. And uh, one evening I just thought, how many, uh, you know, uh, genderqueer, gender non-conforming, intersex, gay, lesbian, trans, teacher do I know that are alive now, teaching in this tradition. And uh, I just thought I would probably come up with five or six. You know, like that was my kind of initial... Then I wrote them down, and I I came up to uh, 42 uh, teachers uh, uh, in this uh, tradition who are... uh, are So there's a lot of us out there, you know, uh, yeah, trans men, women, and, uh, yeah, the whole of us. And uh, in terms of transmission, there's been a, a number of ways that uh, some of these te- teachers have been, uh, for me, have been very, very meaningful. Actually, uh, I want to extend, like, uh, so I, s- I just said 42 teachers, but we're also very much uh, teachers for each other. You know, in the way that we're practicing here, we can go from 42 to 84 or something. Because you know? we, are, we are doing this for, for each, other's, each other also. We are teaching each other, you know. Uh, I think, uh, in a way, uh, I'm curious about queer dharma. Like, I'd like to, um, I'd like to see this. Uh, you know how Buddhism traveled from culture to culture, and it, re- it retained its uh, very vibrant wisdom and essence, and it took, you know, the if I can say the colors of different uh, cultures as it traveled and I would like to think that there is a you know a queer dharma that uh, that can be very vibrant and that uh, maybe non-queer people one day would like to you know benefit from the insights and uh, maybe even practices that would be born um, I, I would like to, uh, you know, in, uh, in some way, um, I, don't, I don't think I, 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 I'd certainly like to uh, see this, you know, uh, witness this in some ways, and see this uh, in the um, Actually, um, Kevin, can I name the, the, the so there's a, there's a book that's going to come out, uh, I think in October, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a series of essays from uh, trans, uh, genderqueer, and non-conforming uh, folks writing about the Dharma, and uh, Kevin with, uh, with who? With, anyway, there's many of you, but with uh, you helped create this, or you created this with uh, many others. And uh, actually, last November, you sent you sent it to me, and I 
Actually, I devoured it. beautiful um, insights uh, in this. So I'm uh, looking forward to us uh, reading it. Um, and so reading the book, I was receiving uh, transmission. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was, um, I felt like I was, um, uh, yeah, the, 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 the wisdom was uh, being uh, sh- uh, shared through the through the book, um, and it was helping me understand, you know, uh, who I am and in which world I live, and how to hold it. Um, and so this kusala, akusala, ways to hold things, and I'll just. Uh, kind of uh, share a few um, moments of transmission that uh, were meaningful to me and then they might resonate uh, with you. Um, maybe I'll start with something, I mean many, many things I received from um, from Anushka. And uh, I think uh, last year, when we were teaching the LGBTQI retreat at um, at uh, IMS, um, you were talking about the the Buddha, and uh, I'll put it in my words. Uh, what I heard was um, you saying. how the Buddha, you know, uh, cut his hair and put on robes and, uh, you know, change, uh, change the, uh, his appearance to actually reflect his identity, you know, his true identity uh, and how he understood that, uh, you know, there's a malleability in the world, in our perceptions, and uh, a lot of possibilities, and that, uh, and so, so to me, it kind of, uh, it gave a, there was some something, you know, to the, suddenly it became a kind of a, somewhat of a queer lineage, and there was something that happened, like a re, realigning of things, you know. Like a rereading, and that's important. I think that we do this, uh, you know, that we read, you know, how we read novels and we read movies with our particular bent, you know, recognizing whose character is LGBTQI and is not named exactly, you know, but we know reading Shakespeare, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, since the beginning of. Uh, me hearing stories of uh, Buddhist stories, I always thought clearly, Ananda. <laughs> you know, Ananda is uh, 
the, the Buddha's cousin who lives with him for 25 years, attend to him. Uh, he goes teach to the women in the community. Is is the is this really a, a devoted? Uh, anyway, every time I'm reading Ananda, I'm like, you know, he's definitely us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's important that he is, you know, he truly is. Uh, I mean, perceptions have, you know, are, you know, we make meanings with things. It's, it seems important. So when you said this. Uh, uh, there's something that realigned, you know, that some, some, suddenly it was like, wow, I'm right in the path, <laughs> you know. Um, and I remember also hearing, uh, so impressions like this, hearing uh, Irina Wiseman, one teacher of this tradition. So one time I was uh, co-teaching with her and I was sitting there listening to her talk and my eyes were closed and you know, it was a few days in, so there was this really sensitivity was uh, heightened, you know, and, and so the sensitivity uh, also means that we're going to be more touched, you know, like we're going to be, it's going to reverberate, and that's what we're doing here. We make, we make ourselves sensitive so that things really uh, vibrate, you know, they, they become really present, uh, they, they have an impact. Yeah? And so I was sitting this, just uh, attentive, and she slowed down somewhere in what she was teaching and she just said I am honored to be queer and sometime, something again realigned in me you know where like I, I had never experienced like it, there was a transmission like I felt I too was honored to be queer but it was the first time for me that I that I had that view. It was a change of view. You know, it was a change of, uh, you know, before I could live with it. Uh, you know, there was all the kind of internalized uh, homophobia and the rest. You know? And when she said this, there was a kind of a liberation, there was a realignment of, of sight, and suddenly I understood, wow, that is such a privilege. That is such a particular angle on society, such a vision we can have. You know, I, I had never, uh, you know, I had never felt it in this way. And so that's a kind of, um, you know, learning how to hold something. We hold something because we think it's the only way to hold it. And suddenly insight that can happen in the walking, in the sitting, in the eating, in the listening, uh, there's a realignment. Something that was not helpful can be let go of, and something appears. And so it's not will. Huh? What creates an insight? It's not the will. Huh? If we, okay, I'm going to change my view. I'm going to have a liberated view about this now. <laughs> or you know, it's not like this. A, a part of what happens to find the ways to hold things, I think, is, um, I would call it, a kind of soaking in, you know. So I'll be here wanting to be somewhere else, maybe, or somebody else, or feel something else, you know. And over the hours, wanting to feel something else, be somewhere else, you know. But 
keeping, attending, showing up again, showing up again, at some point, you know, there's something that will realign or show itself, come into focus. Wow, that's exhausting to want to be somebody else. You know, or to bypass or... Um, I have to read the, the book again uh, slowly, you know, and notice who's saying what. But when I devoured the book, it was just names were flashing by and of authors, you know, and, uh, and um, one, one flashed, one, something that comes back here for me in terms of Kusala, Akusala, recognizing how to be with. So there was somebody in uh, one of the authors of the, the uh, essays to come was uh, saying, uh, I'll put it in my words, but uh, around uh, gender uh, dysphoria, that the deepest kind of acceptance was uh, <coughs> accepting gender dysphoria instead of trying to bypass it, you know, trying to, uh, you know, shove it on the side and uh, the, uh, the total acceptance that it was there was extremely liberating, you know. And so, in these ways, what we learn to find here is how to hold things. Um, and we know from the, in, from the inside, when we feel, when it's right, you know, it's, we don't need somebody else to tell us. We know, oh, that's the way to be with this. Yet here, there are, you know, suggestions that we make. So I'll make, I'll make one that for me, you know, after 20-some years of practice, this is something that has never failed up to now, you know. It's never been not useful. And it comes straight from the teachings, from the kind of theory. The theory, by the way, came from practice. Huh? It was people practicing who wrote stuff down or organized stuff, you know. It came from practice. And so, in the teachings, I'm putting this in my words, there's, um, there's um, two kinds of qualities that we can bring to any situation, event, internally, externally, uh, being with something beautiful or something hard, hard in the body or hard in the heart or psyche, in the world, in society. So these two kinds of qualities are one kind of quality is... Um, quality of, um, of uh, curiosity, interest, kind of engagement with what is happening. And the other uh, quality is a kind of a measure of calm, uh, non-reactivity, it could be uh, presented this way. And so when there's these two kinds of qualities together, it seems like it's, well, it is, it is the actual... Uh, qualities needed for insight, for deeper understanding. But um, <coughs> ways that I've seen this uh, very much alive in my life is um, 
I'll try to take different things. There's something I don't want to do that I have to do. So I could do it resentfully. But sometimes there is this flexibility of mind or the remembering of these two qualities. And I say, so Pascal, there's no choice here. So could we bring a measure of interest, of curiosity about this, and a measure of calm? And then uh, I usually see that it's helpful for me to go through this. If there's something beautiful happening, I see that it's also very helpful. Because I could easily, in an experience of uh, something beautiful, get kind of excited and fearful that it's going to go, or, you know, that I'm, you know, that others should experience it too, or, you know, like a hundred things, you know. And I can, and then I lose some access to what's actually happening because I get kind of, uh, you know, agitated in some ways. And so if I can remember and say, hey, Pascal, this is beautiful, this is meaningful, this is rich, valuable, uh, you know. Can we bring some calm and some quality of connection, engagement with this? Like, be really particularly present here. I see that it's uh, it's helpful. If um, you know, if I feel like shit in some ways, not so, not so great. Um, I'll probably you invite a third quality that I wanted to talk about here today. Is uh, it's going to be helpful for me if I if I bring some curiosity? This is really the field of mindfulness here. Oh, look at that! Feeling this dejected—is that the word? Dejected. Feeling dejected. Ah, it's so interesting. It's so different than feeling. I don't know what. Hopeful. Up. I, uh, tender, or, you know, dejected. Look at that. So a measure of interest for the local formation, a measure of calm, you know, when usually I would either fall trapped, uh, entrapped by, or, you know, under the spell of, or pushed away, which would create more distress hitting the middle path here. Can we bring a measure of interest for that particular way of being and a measure of calm? And for me these days also, all these um, these difficulties I recognize as a kind of a doorway to compassion, to tenderness. And this, to me, is very surprising that something difficult in the body, in the heart, in a situation, when usually for me would be a highway to aversion, reactivity, despair, you know, all this closing down, attacking, uh, you know, disconnecting, etc. So these events that are Difficult events of the heart, events of the world. Like there's a, almost, I almost want to call it a kind of alchemy. How is that possible that these things could lead to a vibrant heart? 
to care, to compassion, to tenderness. And I think, talking about queer uh, teachers, I think this one I owe very much to uh, Zenju Earthen Manuel, who uh, is an American teacher who has a who teaches, so we can go and sit with her, practice with her, or read her book, or listen to her online. Um, she has uh, the title of uh, one of her book is um, "The Way of Tenderness," and. Uh, as a queer um, black woman practicing uh, Zen in the, I think, white male-dominated environment where there was a lot of unconsciousness, or is probably, and bypassing I mean, she, 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 she teaches this, she, I'm, I'm just relaying here. Um, she talks about bringing complete tenderness to these aspects of her experience that, you know, the, the intersectionality um, and the, the specificity of, uh, of the... You know, it might be in a moment, maybe the microaggression, or it might be the, the, the larger sense of oppression or the feeling of, of lack of safety. And uh, how she seems to suggest, as an appropriate response, complete tenderness. So... To me, reading uh, her book and her words and listening to her, I got very, very in- intrigued by that. How to hold what is uh, difficult, ugly, oppressive, uh, with care. And so here, for me, that's part, definitely partly the, the practice that we do. You know. So many uh, transmission from uh, queer teachers. We're talking with uh, Mishka at lunchtime about... Uh, Bell Hooks and uh, I was telling uh, Anushka that uh, a few weeks ago I listened to an hour long uh, radio interview uh, in French Bell Hooks French impeccable so beautiful but this was not like it was definitely an amazing feature to hear uh, uh, her and there was uh, so there was an interview with a white cis male, uh, French, and uh, you know, over the hour, definitely a few of the questions were kind of off. You know, like the person was n- not understanding <laughs> the, 
the situation well, you know, and making assumptions and and uh, and to me the kind of transmission. So I want to actually tune in, you know, when somebody has amazing qualities, knowing that we're porous and there's a possibility of transmission, I actually want to really tune in and get the transmission. And Bell Hooks was um, had such a equanimity, like this stability of mind. You know, it didn't feel it didn't feel like she was um, sometimes words come in English I've never used them. I don't know if it's the right use. She was not phased. Is that like, you know? She was there, like, totally uh, resourced. And this person was asking these questions, and she was correcting the question, correcting the vision. Uh, there was a kind of a kindness, but also absolute clarity, like no compromise, you know? Like, and uh, and kept reorganizing you know, the listener's uh, understanding of reality, you know, and the, the questioner's understanding of reality. And uh, there was even here and there a real playfulness. And, uh, but I, what, I, what was really, really uh, impressive for me was the clarity, the uncompromising way, and uh, the not abandoning, kind of, uh, not abandoning... Uh, still have uh, difficulty putting this in words, but it seems like, you know, like there would be something abandoned by uh, getting ang- angry or irritated, like that. It, was a, it seemed almost like I was, I feel this as a faithfulness to, to self. You know? She was not abandoning herself uh, because of somebody else's, uh, you know, confusion. You know? There was a, uh, Anyway, so here, these are the things we learn uh, to hold, you know, with all the different appearances during the day, you know. It's either, you know, you're being, um, we're being um, like pushed right and left from the inside, from our the own play of our minds and emotions, or we're being pushed uh, uh, from the outside, you know, with uh, the way, you know, the the framing of the retreat, the, the schedule, or the access to this, or the not access to that, that would be helpful, you know, so it's an, you know, although it's, it's a beautiful, from my point of view, place, it's also very much imperfect, you know. Uh, the meal might not be at the time you would want it, or the, you know, the room, uh, the one you would like, or the, you know, the, whatever, the teachers, or the, you know, whatever in the structure. And so, how to not be in a perfect situation internally or externally uh, with care, with stability, with tenderness, with uh, accompanying oneself. written a bunch of um, transmission from different teachers. So maybe uh, one that comes to to mind here and now as appropriate. 
is one from uh, Gavin Harrison. Gavin Harrison uh, actually died a few months ago. Dear, dear teacher, um, I think I would describe him as, uh, you know, my own impressions of him as a somewhat ecstatic artist. (laughs) You don't agree? (laughs) Do you not agree? Is it off now? No, it's on. I might have caused this here. I'm not sure. Um, Sorry about this. Talking about the imperfect world and how to how to meet the rocky world. Anyway, I uh, uh, Gavin wrote a book in the lap of the Buddha many many years ago. It's actually the first Dharma book that I ran into, and uh, it was quite. Uh, amazing for me to read a book. I just ran into a traveling, you know, there was somewhere where there was uh, books left. This book was there, picked it up, was reading, and I had just learned I was HIV positive within the last year. And here was a book on Dharma practice by uh, someone who was a survivor of uh, uh, sexual uh, ag- uh, aggression or abuse and uh, living with uh, uh, HIV. And uh, and kind of welcoming me on the path. You know, I'm talking very personally here. You know, that's how it felt. You know. And um, and so there was the book. I didn't know about the person. You know, and, and one day I uh, we were I was teaching a, co-teaching a retreat at Spirit Rock in California, and I made a mistake. I showed up a day early. Um, so I, I arrived there, I think the retreat starts at 3, but there's no movement, there's nothing happening, like there's not like the kind of uh, activity, and I'm like, so strange, you know. And then I find out I'm just 24 hours too, too early. And so I'm there, I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, there's a community hall where they give classes at night, I'm going to check who's there. And there was uh, Gavin was there giving a class, and I thought, oh my God, you know, 20 years later, is my chance to meet this uh, person. And I went to, to the class, and there was, I don't know, maybe two, three hundred people in the big community hall. And Gavin was there reading poetry and storytelling. And, uh, and at some point, he does a Q&A. And there's uh, one uh, young person uh, who raised their hand, and they, uh, they start describing their experience kind of reporting on their practice. They say, oh, I'm trying to practice, but it's not working so well. And you could feel um, a lot of confusion and ache, you know, difficult being this being these days. And at the same time, there was such a beautiful sincerity, kind of this, uh, yeah, like something very candid, very, um, the beautiful sensitivity um, and uh, Gavin was listening to the person and actually everybody was listening to the person with such uh, care you could you know it was really uh, even visually like all eyes were turned or all ears you know and there was kind of a, you would see like almost lines all the lines were going to, to towards this young person or other and 
and uh, you know how there is this kind of um, convention you know we're here you're there you know uh, and so Gavin was listening and as he was listening he just stood up and walked in the crowd you know uh, uh, and sat on the ground in front of the, the, this young person while they were uh, describing their experience and practice and he was listening and then like, he took their hand in his hands and he said a bunch of things I, I can't remember it was just so beautiful the quality of the presence you know, of the meeting and at the very end he said uh, he said this that seemed to be a description of what was actually happening in the room he looked at the person and he said sometimes we are the last person to find out that we're lovely. And it seemed like a description of what was happening in the room. It seemed like everybody thought that this young person was absolutely lovely, you know, and worthy and, and you know, all this. But this person couldn't see this at that moment. They didn't have that uh, ability, you know. Uh, and I don't know, my, maybe my sense or my hope was uh, my sense is just a sense maybe it's a hope this, it appeared as a sense as a sense like this person is going to find out they're going to find out you know, if they keep uh, this kind of sincerity and attention it's going to become uh, clear at some point Zenju, Earthen uh, Manuel here, the kind of a prayer or an expression of the metta. So I invite you, if you want, to close the eyes. It's uh, titled For All Beings. May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience, be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious, be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings be appreciated, feel welcomed anywhere on the planet, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes, live on the planet housed and protected from harm, be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity, enjoy life, living without fear of one another, 
be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life, be given the time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. May all beings, no one excluded, be free, protected, and awake.